Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, and I am your host, Peter. Uh, for the lo- new listeners, this is a podcast where we take a look back at the movies that we kind of grew up watching and see if it still holds up as an adult. Uh, joining me for this review of the 2000 science fiction thriller drama of Frequency is Margot from the Book vs. Movie podcast. How are you doing, Margot? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show again. Yes, thank you for returning. Uh, for those that have uh, or might have missed you on previous episodes, you uh, the first episode you came on was uh, the uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn rom-com Overboard. And also the the other time you came on was uh, to review the 19, I believe it was 85 Real Genius starring Val Kilmer and Gabriel Jarrett. Yep, yep, those were great episodes. I had a lot of fun doing them. Yes, I, I did too. So here we are uh, for Frequency. Um, this one we are doing because the TV show Frequency uh, is coming up soon here. And what? Well, oh gosh, what is it? It's it's not FX. I I should look that up. But uh, do you happen to know what the? No, I'm sorry. It's, it feels like it's CW or something like that. CW sounds right. I think I the, you're right. I see the poster on the subway like every day. The young lady who stars in it, who's actually taking the place of uh, uh, Jim Caviezel here, she was in she was in an episode of Flash, and that's CW. So, and I, I know CW likes to kind of recycle their their players. So, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, before we get into frequency, I just want to uh, go back to the year 2000 when this actually came out, April 28th, 2000. Talk about some of the songs in movies. Uh, the number one hit song at the time of this movie's release was Maria Maria by Santana featuring the product G. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah, I kind of do. I see. It's so strange like to think of 2000 as being 16 years ago, isn't it? I mean, it's. Oh my gosh, it's a long time ago, but it almost feels like yesterday in a weird way. Yeah, I do remember Maria Maria. It's a beautiful song. Beautiful song. Um, I want to say, I want to say, Wyclef might have produced it or it had yeah. something to do with it. Yeah, uh, from the Fugees. And this song, um, I'm a little surprised. Uh, well, maybe not so much, but it, it was uh, number one for almost three months. So it was uh, definitely a big song. The song that uh, preceded it was Destiny's Child's "Say My Name." <laughs> yes. 16 years ago? That was 16 years 16 ago? 16 years ago, before uh, oh Beyonce God. departed from the group, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and the uh, number one song that supersedes it is Aaliyah's Try Again, which I think that was Aww. part of the... Yeah, I remember. Um, R.I.P. Mm-hmm, R.I.P. She passed away the following year, uh, 2001, because I, I remember being in basic training in 2001, right before September 11th. And uh, oh my we goodness. Had, yeah, we were in the middle of a training in class, and the way they announced it to us is uh, our command sergeant major walked into the room, and the, the the bad thing was that it was kind of played as a joke, but, you know, it was just kind of an announcement. He's like, don't know if you guys heard, but my girlfriend, Aaliyah, recently passed away. <laughs> and then we, we all had to think about it, that he explained, and we're like, oh, man, that sucks, you know, to have heard it that way, too, but... Yeah, that's awful. It you know, my is. friend worked. Um, my my friend worked for her. Oh no, she kidding. worked at her at her record company, and she was like the assistant to the accountant or something like that. And she died on a weekend, I want to say. And she said that nobody was at the office except she was the only one that they could reach. And wow. she had to call, 
Yeah, because a few people died on that plane, and she had to help call those other relatives. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. terrible. Yeah, terrible. They, they, she said that she was a wonderful person, that she really was a gem and just a sweetheart. Yeah, I believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some of the movies that came out around this time, High Fidelity. Oh, my God, we did that on our show. Uh, yeah, that's uh, recently, too, right? Or uh, like maybe a year ago, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, the Skulls. With Joshua Jackson. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, me, myself, and I, Jim Carrey? No, I don't remember it. I think he um, had like split personality or something. It also had like Renee Zellweger, uh, I want to say. They were dating. Oh, did they? You know, I don't I Yeah, don't they were dating. That. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Return to Me with David Duchovny. Nope. Oh, nope, really? Okay, remember. yeah. It's uh, David Duchovny and. Oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name. She was also Oh wait, Mini Driver? Mini Driver, that's the one. Yes. The, yeah, I never saw that. Oh, okay. I hear it's really good. I hear it's really, really, really good. Um, probably one of those tear jerkers, actually. Yeah, and I don't like those. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh American Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Never I'm seen lukewarm that one? on that. Okay, okay. I have. I'm I'm lukewarm. I'm a I'm a chick, so Yeah, so I hear it's hit and miss. Uh, a little one. aggressive for me. Oh yeah. sure, sure. And um, I kind of like this one, but uh, Hamlet 2000. I think that's the Ethan Hawke one. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Oh, it's a modern take. Uh, Bill Murray, I believe it was also in it. Um, a very interesting take. You know, they, they try to do what the uh, the uh, Baz Luhrmann's uh, Romeo and Juliet, you know, they try to modernize it. And so that's, yeah, what, that's yeah. what Hamlet was. Yeah. And I guess Mission Impossible 2 also came out that year. So a pretty, pretty uh, decent year, actually, for, for some movies. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. Yeah, I'd say. All right, so Frequency. Uh, this one is directed by uh, Gregory Hoblet. Um, one of the movies that he did that's a, a personal favorite of mine was Primal Fear. That came out in the early 90s. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, that's a, it's a great movie. I, You know what? I've asked a few people who'd be interested, and they hearing the premise, they don't know if they can get you know to do something like that because it's so serious. Oh, I would totally do that show. There we go. I will add that to your list of movies to come yes. back on for. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like um, when I did uh, I, I did a Time to Kill a few months ago, and that was yeah, I love that episode. It was really funny. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, so that that was kind of hard to to find somebody to come on for that as well. So luckily, I have a co-host on another show who's actually also a big fan of that movie. So um, yeah, that that one is just you know it's it's a it's a hard subject to 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 discuss. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, but it was it was very well done. That was, yes. That was, very, very well done. All right. Uh, let's see. This movie stars uh, Dennis Quaid, Jim Caviezel, Andre yep. Brower. Uh, he plays Satch. Um, Elizabeth Mitchell is, uh, I, I guess Dennis Quaid plays Frank. Jim Caviezel plays John or Little Chief. Uh, Elizabeth Mitchell is Julia, John's mother. Let's see. Noah Emmerich. Who's that guy? Is that the young John? Gordo. No, he's Gordo. He's the oh, Gordo. I didn't know that was his name. I know his face yeah. from everything. I see him in everything. He's in Miracle. Okay, Miracle. Uh, that's the oh, the Kurt Russell movie. That's that should be on my list. Yes, I mean my list for you. <laughs> yes, we we will add it. Um, let's see. So Noah Emmerich. Okay, interesting. Um, I wonder if he's related to the writer uh, Toby Emmerich. Yeah, they're they're brothers. They are brothers. And any relation yeah. to Roland Emmerich? I don't know about that. Um. So this, uh, for those that, you know, a little refresher on the plot, uh, basically, uh, 
there's two storylines here. It is a time travel movie. One takes place in 1969, October. Uh, and then the other timeline is 1999 with a grown up John. And, um, with the solar, oh gosh, what, what is the word that he used? There's like some kind of B word, solar. Um, do you recall the, what I'm trying to talk about? No, I'm sorry. No, I'm totally blanking. Okay, yeah, it's it's the scientific thing with the the, the waves, right, uh, up in the sky. It's an atmospheric thing. Yes, okay, that's a, that's a great uh, substitution there. So because of that, um, basically the waves, uh, there's a parallel timeline, and the, the frequency of these ham radios that they're communicating through uh, – and, and this this uh, atmospheric thing going on, it, it goes through wormholes or something like that. I was trying to watch the special mm-hmm. feature that uh, that explained the science. So that's what I'm trying to paraphrase here. But through that, that's how they are to communicate father and son, Frank and John here via, uh, I'm sorry, ham radio. So yeah. John finds out that this is his father that he's talking to and... Because of it, he prevents his father's death, and in doing so, causes a chain of events leading up to his mother's death, uh, which uh, didn't happen the first time around, and instead of um, a serial murder killing three women, ended up killing ten. So that's that's pretty much the gist of this particular story. Um, yeah. Margo, what do you remember from this? And uh, it, it is safe to say it's, it's one of your favorite movies? It's totally one of my favorite movies. And it's one of those movies I rented when it came out. I didn't see it in the theater. And I remember I just fell in love with it. I think I watched it and then I watched it again right away because I loved it so much. I just, um, I love, it's based in New York. I'm a New Yorker. The father's a fireman. The son's a cop. It's got, I, I, anything with Andre Brower, I'm pretty much on board for because he's amazing. And the acting is great. It's, it's a cool storyline. I love, I was telling you off the air, I love time travel movies and I like body switching movies. So <laughs> those are both my jam. Yes. So and I think Jim and Jim Cavazio is, uh, is that how you say his name? I he's don't know. Just, <laughs> he's so gorgeous. I could just stare at him forever. I mean, honest to God. And Dennis Quaid's one of my favorites. So yeah. it's, it's just all great to me. Yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, he He's a, definitely a handsome dude. There's this one point he smiles. I'm like, you know, why isn't he in more movies? You know, I I don't know what it is. He did the he did the Mel Gibson movie, Last Temptation of Christ. Was that was that what it was called? What was uh, the passion, Mel passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ. Thank you. He played Jesus, which I think is kind of a tough role to you know move on from. But he also had that show, Person of Interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I, mean, I agree with you because he's to me he's like stunning. And he's a great actor. I don't know, you know, maybe because he can't do comedy. I've never seen him try to do comedy. Maybe that kind of limits him. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Andre Brower, also a guy that uh, I uh, really enjoy, who is also in Primal Fear. So there we go, uh, playing a cop, no less. And um, Dennis Quaid, I wanted to ask you this while I was watching the movie. I love Dennis Quaid. The very first Dennis Quaid mm-hmm. movie I saw was Inner Space, uh, which I also reviewed Aww. with my son for anyone that wants to go back and check that out. Um, so Dennis Quaid, I, I can't, I don't know what it is about him, but he's like, I kind of could compare him to like a Kurt Russell because they were in that same era, you know, um, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, just putting out these movies. But what is it about Dennis Quaid that like his star power never reached the heights of that of, of I don't know like um like a Tom Cruise or you know even Tom Hanks like why is he seem to be kind of like in this middle tier 
that had never like have these extremely huge movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's, you know, he's a great actor. I don't think he's a great movie star. Okay. Um, Tom, uh, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, they're great. Uh, Jim, Jim Carrey, we were talking about before, like they're great movie stars. You know, they, they seem larger than life. And I feel like there's something a little more down to earth about Dennis Quaid and, and a little more uh, relatable about him. I don't feel like he's somebody like if I met him, I would get tongue tied or something. I would be more just like, Oh, Hey, I love your work. You know, that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, if I met a Tom Cruise, I think I would just be, I wouldn't know what to say to him. Yeah. He's a freaky. He's also <laughs> just so famous. Yeah. Like, what do you say to him? I think that's what it is. But he's had a okay. great career. He's never been out of work. So You're right. I, I, he's not complaining. No. Yeah. The um, yeah. I I'd really have to look at his filmography, but I feel like the last last movie I saw, it, everything I see him in is is pretty darn good. But the last movie I saw him in was like uh, in Good Company. You know, with a, like mm-hmm. um, was it Topher Grace who plays like his new yeah, boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in, the, in like one scene, he kind of like walks into the living room, basically just in his underwear, and the man still got a great body, you know, for mm-hmm. however old he is. So, yeah, that's um, I, I was just kind of wondering, but that's that's a, a great way of putting it. You know, he's a great, he's a movie actor, not like a, a movie star. So, right, right. Um, okay, so I, I want to first ask you here. Um, what do you think about this, uh, the, the, the way they tell the, the time traveling? So nobody actually travels in time. The, um, the writer, he said that the idea for this story that he thought was interesting was it's actually information that is traveling in time. So they're, you know, they're, they're giving each other information, uh, whether it be it, uh, Frank, who later in a scene leaves like a, a wallet, you know, hidden somewhere. So that way John could get it in the future and just the, the transferring of information via the ham radio. What were what your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I, I, you know, it's funny that my dad was into ham radio for a while when I was a kid. So a lot of that felt familiar to me. And I like the fact that it was two separate timelines kind of interfering with one another, you know, from time to time. I thought it was really well handled because, you know, time travel movies also can just be really stupid. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. Sure. You, know, if, you know, people can make them very cheesy in no time. But, you know, you, it, when it's done right, it's I just find it really. And I just I don't know me personally. I'm always like I curious about what we be like to live in New York in the 1950s, for example, or, you know, be when they're putting together the Constitution. What was it like to be in that room? Like, I'm just curious about stuff like that. So that's uh, that's another reason why I really like this film. And I think it is handled really well. Yeah, I like it. it like, um, I, I remember when I first watched it, I was like, oh, it's a time travel movie because the, the, the title throws you off a little bit. Frequency and, you know, it, it dealing with the radio is kind of like, wait, what? So, um like watching it for this review i was like at first i was just like i don't know if i can get on board because it's just a a radio but watching it you're like it it really creates like a sense of tension you know because like Mm -hmm. the the timelines they parallel one another and it's basically like um it's happening in real time and right you know i'm kind of jumping around but like uh, things happen like uh, at, at one point the radio, you know, there's a struggle between Satch, uh, Andre B- Brower's character and, and Frank. And they, they, there's like a, um, a tassel, I guess. And then like the radio falls. And then in the, you know, in the present time, um, you can see like the, the radio kind of sparks and then it no longer works. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, 
I, I like it because now it's like, well, how does John, you know, uh, communicate with his father? Now he has to just wait, you know, and, and so it's uh, it's got to be nerve wracking for John in, in, in the future because he's just like, what do I do now? I, I don't know what's going on. So I do like that aspect of it. Um, the the opening scene, I have kind of two takes on it. So the in the opening scene, we see Frank. Uh, he is. Um, you know, they, the, him and his, um, ladder, is that what they call it? Uh, his fire station. Yeah. yeah. So they respond to a call, uh, at a building, you know, it's on fire. Um, I wonder what, what are your thoughts as to why they introduced us to Frank this particular way? Because I was thinking you can almost start. I think that they could have introduced Frank. After John and Frank started talking on the radio as like a, a reveal, and I think that still could have been effective as well. But w- why do you think they showed him us in the beginning of the movie? Being killed, you mean? Not not being killed, but uh, you know, he there's there's this one point they're like rescuing some people in this building. There's like a lot of water and a, le- a yeah. lot of electrical wires and stuff like that. Like because for me, when they both actually start talking on the radio. I feel like the audience knows that's Frank off the jump. Like, I know they're trying to hide his face, but who else could it be kind of deal? Like, I don't know if maybe right, that, that right. reveal just wasn't as clean, but I just felt like maybe they could have hold off introducing Frank until a little bit later on. Cause they do flashbacks and things like that anyway. Oh yeah, I know. I, I get it. I get, I get your point. I'm, um, I don't know. I've never questioned it. I think that you bring up an interesting point. It might've been even, might've been a little bit cooler to find out Frank's the one on the ham radio, you know, Without you, like you said, you know it's him when mm-hmm. they start talking. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I know. I've never thought about it that way, but yeah, you got a good point. Yeah, my uh, so my thoughts on the opening of the movie. It it, it could be one of two things or many things but my two takes is one later on when um frank is being interrogated by uh we'll just say interrogated by the nightingale guy that he has been chasing and you know there's a there's a point where i think satch leaves the room because there's a baseball game going on and so he uh so frank is sitting in, in this room by himself and he starts you know um doing his best MacGyver impersonation, right? So he starts, like, uh, ripping out these cords and pouring water on the floor yeah. to eventually electrocute this this uh, this guy that's after him. So I think that might be, like, a slight callback from the beginning of the movie where there's also, like, electrical wires and there's water involved, which I feel might, be, uh, might be kind of a reach. But the other um, thought I had was possibly it is to kind of show us uh frank's character you know where he always like kind of acts on instinct and i think showing us the beginning where he's rescuing these people um you know kind of risking his life you know getting electrocuted i think that kind of maybe is to kind of um make us buy in that he would go and at the advice of his son you know go prevent these um uh or these alleged deaths or something like that right do you think that that works man okay yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a Brit. You know, I think it's fireman is the the number one most dangerous job in America. I believe I'm, it. I believe it. Yeah, it is a very dangerous job. And I'm I'm friends with some firemen, and they are super brave people. And so it doesn't surprise me that he would help out his you know son. You know, thirty years they're tag teaming basically to get this killer. I it, did, it didn't seem weird. And I thought Dennis Quaid, by the way, handled those scenes really well. Like he's Frank, and he and Frank is brave and 
Frank wants to do the right thing and wants to prevent death. That's his whole thing as a fireman. Um, but that he also showed like he, Frank was a little nervous about it. You know, how do I set somebody up and that kind of thing? So yeah, I, I like those scenes very, very much. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts about, um, their, their, their use of baseball, uh, to, to basically, th- th- this is the sports almanac, right? Of the Back to the Future series. You know, this, yeah. th- this is, this is how John convinces people that, hey, I am from the future. Uh, what are your thoughts on yeah. that? I, I think it was a very good device. It's a, it's a very, it's a famous game. I don't know if, you know, if it's big where you are, but I know on the East Coast, especially, I, like I said, I grew up in New York. Uh, the 69 bets was a, that is a big deal. Uh, my dad liked to talk about it. And it, so, and I like, I like sports movies. I mean, if you were talking about, let's say, uh, the 89 World Series, I remember that clearly. And if I was time traveling, I could be able to say, no, 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 Jose Canseco is going to do this and that. And it would, you know, I don't know. I, I, I liked it as a device. It made sense to me. I think somebody who, who really hates sports, I think even they can still go along with it because it makes sense that he there's a thing that's existing that he couldn't possibly know unless he was actually in the future. So I, I thought it was a good framing device. Yeah, I thought it was uh, uh, very interesting, too. I'm not like... um. Uh, I'll just say it. I'm not a baseball fan. You know, my son played Little League and we tried watching baseball games, you know, to kind of keep him in in it. And uh, it, it's it's kind of a boring watch. You know, they're, they're, they're long and it's not a lot of action. So that's yeah. just, you know, my personal opinion. But I do like it for them to tell the story, you know, because it's an yeah. ongoing series and it's not like he has to keep pulling information from anything else. It's a it's a, a like a special game, like you said. So I like that because he's like, hey, well, and um, isn't there also seven games each or something? Yeah. Or okay, yeah. See, so so he probably knows how each game turns out. So um, so I do like that. That's very interesting, and it's a it's very different from a lot of the other things. So um, because usually, like in other time travel movies, I feel like they just kind of uh fabricate something or they pull something out of like real life. But this just makes more sense right. to the character and to the family. So uh, I, I really do like that. What are your thoughts on the? So it's kind of a a bit of a two parter because we got the time traveling aspect, but I do like the the change of events because it does. I feel like it does turn dark, you know, with the the you know, and thinking about it, kind of kind of is giving me chills. So he saves one parent, ultimately leading to the death of another parent, his mom. Yeah, and you really like her. I mean, mm-hmm. she's played by Elizabeth Mitchell, and in real life. She and Jim Cavazio, Cavazio, excuse me, they are, they're about the same age. Like they were 30 and 31 when they made a movie. And I think they have, but she plays his mom because, you know, there's that 30 year time difference. And you could tell he really loves her and they're very close. You know, they became a family of two after the father died. And it's terrible that, you know, she's the one who winds up dead of a serial killer. And she's just, you know, she's a nurse, you know, she's out to, to protect people and save lives. And that's what happens to her. And it changes the whole dynamic of his life. You know, now he's, you know, just has his dad as his family. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad. It's very dark, like you said. Yeah, I I had to look her up uh, because she has such a familiar face. And watching mm-hmm. the movie, I was like, God, she kind of reminds me of, um of uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name now, the Ashley Judd. She kind of reminds me a bit of a Ashley Judd. But I actually mm-hmm. know her from Santa Claus 2 and 3 with Tim Allen. <laughs> oh, really? I know her from Lost. 
Oh, okay. I never watched Lost. Oh, yeah. No, she was great. She was on Lost. That's where I remember her from. Yeah. So she um, she played Mrs. Claus in, in those names. Uh, I mean, in those movies. I only watched the first one. <laughs> oh, yeah. No problem. Um, but yeah, I, I wish she was in more things. I was just kind of looking at her... Uh, you know, the rest of her filmography as of late. And they're gonna, I think she was like in one of the Purge movies. Mm -hmm. she, she was really, really good in this one. Like you really, yeah, you really feel for her or like it hits you when, when she dies, when she dies. I'm just looking at the cast list and I had no idea that Michael Sarah played Gordy's or I'm sorry, Gordo's son, Gordy. Oh, I didn't see that. I was looking at the IMDb and I didn't see that. That is crazy. So there we go. I guess that's the first time we've seen Michael Sarah. So there we go. Oh, very there interesting. We go. Um, so Gordo, we we brought him up. Uh, what do you think about his relationship with uh, with John and being a uh, one of the characters in this movie? I like Gordo very much. He reminds me of like all of my brother's friends <laughs> that they ever had. He's just that like that, that lovable kid uh, who kind of hangs out with the family and he's just part of the family and. He, he's great. I, I, I liked him as a character. I like the actor, like I said. I think he's always good in whatever he's doing. And, uh, yeah, I like Gordon. Yeah, I like him, too. Like, the first time we meet him, it's uh, after, I guess, a breakup that John has with his uh, girlfriend, Samantha. Uh, con comparing the two, Gordo and John, you know, Gordo is, um, you know, he's got a family. He's married, has a kid. John, not so much. Like, do we really right. understand why? Because he he lost his father at a really young age. So is that what happened? Like, he lost his dad, and so he wasn't able to settle down or something? Or he just has a problem? Of, um, problem? You, you, get, you get the feeling he was an only child and just he had a very good, close relationship with his parents. Like, he had this idyllic life that was taken away from him when his father died. You know, and uh, but they managed to still stay in the same house and everything. But you know, maybe that just really messed him up. Maybe he really you know loved his dad, and and I don't know. It's you're just meant to believe that he's very troubled and can't maintain a relationship. I, I have to tell you that that scene with his girlfriend, where they're at the um, they're at the library, and because he changed the timeline, they never dated, so he just goes up to her. And he starts talking to her like, hey, you're not going to believe what happened to you today. And she just gives him a look like, ugh, go away. Who are you? You creep, you know. And I'm thinking, he's a really good looking guy, like just yeah. kind of sitting and hanging out. I mean, I would at least chat him up a bit like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, you know, I didn't quite buy that scene either. Like for me, it's yeah. just like because she ends up saying like, oh, right, you are um you know gordo and you know whatever his wife's name you know oh that their friend and you know the neighbor or whatever so clearly right. she knows who he is so she even called him oh the cop but she has this look of disgust on her face i'm like oh she's like completely yeah. freaked out by him like he's just this lech or something and like he looks perfectly presentable like i said he's really handsome and, and you know why would you just like just immediately have that? that's just one thing that rang really false and it always rings false to me whenever i see it yeah, I agree because yes, he's sitting down as if they know each other, which is weird. But just her approach of it, yeah, it's just it, that that was really but you weird. Never, you, don't you ever forget somebody by their face? Like sometimes you ever talk to someone and then it takes like, you know, if you if you know them in another context or another situation, and then you talk to them and it's more like, oh wait, that's that person I know from gym class, or that's that yeah. person I worked with, you know, when I was at that building and I we used to see each other every day. Like 
I, I have people in my Facebook feed that I'm, I'm, I guess I'm friends with, but I can't really remember. It takes me, kind of takes me a while to get that connection. But people don't just like immediately go, Bleh! when they talk to someone they don't know, your brain immediately Maybe I do know this person. How do I know him? Wait a second. It, it, that, I'm sorry. We're, we're belaboring the point, but that's one scene that rings really false to me like every time. Yeah. One of the other, well, I, I don't want to compare it to this particular scene, but one one moment in the movie that also um, didn't throw me off, but took me out a little bit because I had to question it. But um, And I know this might be a little bit nitpicky and I'm probably completely wrong, but there's a scene where... Um, some events change uh, in the in his timeline, his original timeline, and he calls his mom, and it's uh it's like Noah's Deli or something like that. But this is like late in the middle of the night. He had just woke up from this nightmare, and I'm like, really? Would the deli be open? But I guess I'm sure there are some delis that are open, and I get in New York. Yeah, yeah, they're open. They are open. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. my naivete, you know, because I'm like, well, I'm sure they are, but. But for me, you know, I was just thinking, really, would there be, you know, like, couldn't it have been like another business that were like, oh, yeah, that, that would be open like 24 hours or something. So um, that, that that's really it. It was like not a nitpick, but it kind of made me question that scene. I'm just like, really, would there be a deli open that late? It would because 20, in New York is a 24 hour city. And especially when there's deliveries being made around the city, like they can't be done during the day it's just the, the traffic is too congested so a lot of like these guys work swing men and women work swing shifts and so they're out there like three in the morning delivering stuff so they need to get food or something so they're yeah it, it totally exists okay uh what is the town that never sleeps <laughs> new york <laughs> okay see that's what i thought so that, that makes a lot of sense all right um Okay, so there's this thing I, I do kind of like, uh, and this is because it's kind of similar to that in Back to the Future, but uh, in the opening scene, and I want to give credit to Toby because I thought he you know, wrote the hell out of this movie. He gave us a lot of little nuggets, you know, um, sprinkled throughout this movie, but... When, uh, we, when we first see Gordo, you know, he's talking to John and, um, he brings up something about Yahoo and he said he really missed a boat on yes. that. Yeah. So later on when they talk on the ham radio, he's like, Hey, this, this is a magic word here. Just remember Yahoo. Stock tip. And it's funny now that was 16 years ago. That was like, woo, big stock. I mean, nowadays what happened to Yahoo? Like, wow. Yeah. Google. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So I I thought that was interesting. Um. So what do you think about the? Because mm, I don't want to say they play loose with some of the rules here, but what do you think about like John making all these changes that you know? I mean, we think about some of the other time traveling stuff, you know, like uh, Quantum Leap or Back to the Future. Just some of those bigger uh, properties. A, a lot of those times they say, "Hey, you know, be careful because you don't want to change too much." But John. He's like changing everything here, you know. Right. Um, I, we we get it. He saves his father in in different ways. Uh, saves his life first off, um, and then extends saving his life. You know, tell, telling him to quit smoking. You know, which also uh, right. helped out. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know, once you get started, you you can't help it. If it, you change one little ripple in the timeline, everything else changes. Like we said, his mother is then killed at a serial killer, and then all these other women are killed in the seventies or in that time period, excuse me, um, because he interfered with the timeline. Like, what is he supposed to do? Just forget about it. Like, no, you want to catch the guy. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, I mean, that's, I thought that was interesting. And, I, and I, I always think that's interesting in time travel movies when they when they do that, when they make a point of saying, like, yep, well, okay, you think this is going to make everything better, but look what happens over here. So I thought it was really well done. Yeah, like, this is really... I don't want to say they took elements from other movies because other movies took elements from frequency. Like, I know there's a scene that uh, reminds me of the butterfly effect, which that one came out, I want to say 2003. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought this was really well done. And one of the other scenes that kind of reminded me of another movie was the struggle with the, um, what was his name, Shepard, you know, towards the end, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a little too convenient where he's in both timelines trying to kill Frank in one and then John in the other. Um, yeah. And that reminded me a bit of Time Cop, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme there, um, yeah. you know, at, at, at the end. So because like the, 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 the mom, Julia, she jumps on him in the past, scrapes his face. And then we see present Shepard, you know, like he gets the scars uh, immediately. And that's very similar to to Time Cop. I liked it. I like it. I don't care. Yeah, I, oh, I know. No. It's, it's like Time Cop, but I oh, loved it. It's, yeah. it's thrilling. You know, I liked it. I'm not trying to like. I I hope I'm not coming off as like I'm crapping on it, but like I I just I just yeah. like how you know like you know it could have been inspired and they just like fine tuned it a little bit. Um, but I I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, I don't want to go too much over like the murders and stuff like that for j- just in case anybody wants to revisit this. But do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, let me think. I thought the, I liked the music that they chose in the movie, mainly in the past. I mean, they just, I, I thought the music choices were really good. Um, I thought it was very realistic. It felt like 1969 when it was supposed to. So I thought that was really good. Um, I thought the bad guy was really scary, super scary. And, um, I love Thatch. I love Andre Brower. Like I said, anything he does, I'm pretty much on board with. Um, but yeah, I've always just, I just really love this film. It just, it always makes me happy when I watch it. I, I like the scene where um, he does have, uh, Satch that is, where, where Frank is kind of being interrogated, but also at the same time, Satch is kind of watching the game to, mm-hmm. to see if like these events will actually unfold as as Frank had told him and you got Julia who went to go see him to question him about like why why are you arresting Frank kind of deal and she's sitting there with this look on her face kind of like look our life is in shambles and you're sitting here watching the game and he's got this look like oh my god you know like it's happening as Frank yeah. you know told me so I thought that was kind of funny yeah no I thought that was great yeah um Okay, so before we uh, conclude this, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the upcoming TV show. Uh, all I know mm-hmm. about the about the show is what I've seen in the trailer, which is actually really long. I think they're really trying to sell this on on giving this a shot here. Um, but have you seen the trailer? No, I've only seen the poster. Like I said, every day when I leave the F train, I go up those stairs, I see this poster and I, I get very excited because I love the fact that it's a father and a daughter. Um, I, I'm looking here I, I'm uh, on IMDb. It premieres Wednesday, October 5th, 9 p.m. on CW. So you and I got it right. The so, CW. There we go, yeah. Oh, you got that right. So there we it go. kind of goes to you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the uh, that's interesting. I haven't really seen it around town, uh, but I feel like I've seen um, more like promos and stuff online for Timeless. So that's kind of interesting there. But what I gathered from watching the trailer, and only one time, um, it, it looks like the pilot, they kind of recreated the movie because 
uh, everything kind of happens the same. You know, she finds uh, Frank over the radio and they have a very similar like, oh, my God, like, how is this even possible? And Satch is in there, which I think in the in the TV show, it seems like Satch is more of like the the chief of police you know and and not so much like a like a detective that's uh-huh. actually you know actively working so um and that's just my guess i, I could be wrong um so yeah it, it, and that's played by Mackay pfeiffer um and the the, the father you know he mm-hmm. he kind of reminded me more of like a um like a younger guy than dennis quaid too so i think they got somebody more more like because you know how you mentioned the actress who played Julia she was like 31 um, at the right. time of the movie and Dennis Quaid I didn't even look up how old Dennis Quaid is but I know he's probably well into he was 46 46 okay see there we go so what's yeah. that put of like 62 now I can't, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so that's a, a 16 year difference between the wives. So I guess I don't know if the mother's going to play a role in this movie or in in the TV show, but at least they got the ages, you know, a little bit close together so the you know the the actress who plays you know the lead probably closer in age with her father so i there's a big change there um yeah so so you're gonna definitely check out the pilot mm-hmm. are you one of those that um you're gonna base it on the pilot or do you think you're gonna give it a, a few a, a few episodes i'm the worst if i don't even like the first 10 minutes i'm out i i, I there's there's so much to watch there is literally so much watch that I don't have time for because I work two jobs and I have three podcasts now and I've got a lot going on like if you you want me for that couple of hours that I'm free you got to be good yeah and I yeah and I just yeah I I can't put my heart into something that's going to get canceled in a few weeks so I know I've had my heart broken before I I need to be a little bit more like that because there was a probably a, you know a little bit more shows than I like to admit uh, last season that I watched way too long and ultimately Which ended one? up well Limitless was one of them okay. um, also yeah. based on a movie well this is the funny thing they're all based on movies so Limitless uh, Minority Report uh, was one <laughs> uh, I want to say what what is the third one but um, well th- I guess it's not based on a, a movie but but Gotham I'm still watching Gotham and people are asking me why. But, right. you know, season two was actually pretty good. You know, in comparison to season one, season one really sucked. And I was really hate watching it. I, I really, that one, I tried two episodes and then I was totally out that first season. Yeah. Just couldn't do it. And I'm uh, interested in the story. Do you listen to the Gotham Lights podcast? I don't. Yeah, there's a podcast. I'm friendly with the, with the co-host on that. Um, so if you're really into the show, it's called Gotham Lights. The podcast all about Gotham. Okay. Yeah, I... I'm probably going to stop watching it. The, the thing is, some of these shows yeah. I also watch with my wife, and she seems to like them a little bit more than me, and that's hard. Because, yeah, then you got to. Yeah, because there's other shows I watch that she won't even give a shot. Like, she, she won't watch Game of Thrones, and, you know, when Breaking Bad right. was on, she didn't watch that. So, like, she won't watch the good stuff, but I don't I don't know what that says about her. <laughs> but, you know, got to watch what the wives watch. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. even if they're reality shows. So, I'm going to give it... Um, I don't know how how many episodes I'll I'll give it. Uh, I'll definitely watch the pilot for sure. Um, also, just to kind of compare, you know, the changes uh, that they did uh, in comparison to the movie. Um, I don't know. I I can't say after what I just said. You know how I watched some shows for too long. I'll probably end up watching mm-hmm. this a little bit longer, and I'll let you know. It's like, hey, you're right. Maybe I should have jumped ship. You know, after the pilot, but. Um, Time traveling TV shows I find are harder to kind of kind of stay around. 
Um, I know you watched uh, 112263. You also did a, yep. an episode on it with Michael Denniston, um, friend of the show yep. and co-host. Um, that I really like. And it's unfortunate that that, you know, it has a source material and it was only a limited release of eight episodes that I could have done like as a show. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. You know. But it also probably works because it only was eight episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you tie up all the loose ends at the end and it doesn't drag on. That's kind of a lot of shows is that they're like, it's, um, I have great ideas for magazine articles. I've always wanted to write a book, but I can't seem to find a great idea for a book. And I think sometimes TV series just go on way too long. Like there's like 20, 30 episodes in a season. Sometimes they really only need like 10. Mm-hmm. Seriously. 10 great ones and then they'd be way wild like like the sopranos or something like i always think like that's a far better way of using the time and the talent versus you know like i said like there's i mean i used to watch csi oh my god all the time mm-hmm. and i watched a lot of those crap episodes but after that i you know it's, but there's so much there's so much to watch now and especially now with hulu and amazon and netflix like i got I'm backlogged with what I got to watch. And then I got to watch stuff for like podcasts, like your show and my show. Yeah. So yeah, my, yeah the time is valuable. Now, um, did you catch the the new MacGyver show? No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I didn't care about the first time. You know, <laughs> I like oh, MacGruber. Really? Okay. <laughs> MacGruber. I like MacGruber. Was That's it because Val Kilmer was in it or? No, no. It's, um, oh, damn it. He's SNL. Will Forte. Will right, Forte. Right. Um, wasn't Val Kilmer like the, the villain? Oh, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But he, that's a great movie. That's a funny movie. I've seen that a couple times, but I, I didn't care about it the first time around, so I'm not going to watch the remake. You know, I it, it sounds terrible, but I actually kind of judged it by some of the stills I saw of that show. And I I, I looked, uh, I took one look at the guy who plays MacGyver, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Yeah. I don't know if if I'm extremely bored. I may catch the pilot just just to see how he acts because I don't know if he you know if the show is like a prequel or does it take place after the events because this guy looks really young. That I, I think that's yeah. that's my thing there. Okay, so um, frequency. Let's uh let's wrap it up with the uh, with the rating here. What would you uh, rate this movie out of five stars? Four out of five because like I said, there were a couple of scenes that took me out of it, so it's it's not perfect, but. I, I absolutely love it. I actually own it. It's one of those few movies that I own uh, digitally that I like, keep on. And every once in a while, I bring it out. So four out of five. Okay. I agree with you. I'm going to go four out of five. I also own this one. And um, uh, I'm glad that the, the funny thing is, uh, this is probably one of the earlier copies that uh, ever came out on uh, DVD that I own because this movie was 2000. And I, I want to say 99 is around the time the DVDs really started booming. Um, yeah. And surprisingly, this copy actually has some pretty decent special features too. Uh, now, I didn't watch them for this review, but there are some extended scenes and some deleted scenes. And I do remember watching them and they're like, oh, okay, I, I kind of see why they were removed. But one that sticks <laughs> that's the thing out. about deleted scenes. Some, I'm sorry, that's the thing about deleted scenes sometimes. Like, oh, I get to see something. And then you're like, you watch, you're like, yeah, they should have deleted that. That, that, yeah. that didn't help at all. <laughs> Pretty much. The one one that sticks out for me is that uh when when the everybody in the past wants to talk to John because this is like, oh, this is Frank's new friend John, you know, so everybody everybody's taking a turn. Yeah. You know, just saying hello. Um Gordo, you know, jumps on it's like, Hey, you know, the whole Santa Claus talk and hey, remember Yahoo. Um, that's actually extended. So um 
and I don't remember what else they talk about, but, but, but I remember like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But I do kind of want to go yeah. back in and see what it was too, because since that's the only thing that I really remember. So, um, yeah, four stars for me. Um, I, I like everything about this, uh, about this movie. Um, my problem with it is it's too long. Like at least mm. fifteen minutes. Like uh, I, I just felt it was too long. How this, long this, is it? It's two hours. Uh, An hour fifty-eight or hour fifty-nine or something like that. Yeah, uh, hour fifty-eight. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it could have been tightened up. Could have been tightened up. Um, you know, they could have shortened. They they could have you know slimmed down some more of the long scenes. But also, kind of what I mentioned earlier, we really didn't need the introduction of Frank at the beginning of the movie. You know, right. um, save because when they talk, they, there's a couple of different montages in there. And throughout the movie, you see like when there's like narration, you also see like cuts of like um, memories and things like that. You know, and I guess we also didn't discuss how like uh, John gets these new memories and how it's kind of like a dream. He doesn't know what's real, what's fake. Uh, so I, I like that as well. But yeah, it's just it, it's really, really long. And I wished the reveal of who he talks to on the radio was hits you more, more of an impact, you know, when we find out it's Frank. And then, because once they start talking, we can see his mind working a little bit and then we start getting some of the other clues, you know, like his call sign, like, oh my God, that's the same thing on this radio here. Things like that. Like, I think that could have worked a little bit better. And, uh, yeah. you know, could, definitely would have raised up my score. So, uh, yeah. so that's, that's our movie. I, I would be interested in anybody's going to check out the show. Uh, if you do, please hit us both up on Twitter and let, let us know your thoughts. If it's even worth a watch, um, you know, compare it to the movie too, you know, make it fun. So, um, so Marco, I want to thank you again for uh, coming on the show and uh, reviewing this movie, uh, with me. Oh, thank you for having me on the show. It was a blast. Yes, uh, uh, as always. Um, so why don't you go ahead and, uh, you know, give a plug to your Twitter and uh, your show and uh, what it's about. I don't even think I gave you that opportunity. So, yeah, talk about your oh. show and where listeners can find it. Okay, thank you so much for the opportunity. So it's called Books versus Movie. Um, if you go into iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, just look up Book Versus Movie Podcast. That's where you'll find us. And my co-host, who's also named Margo, we both talk about films that are adapted from books. So we just recorded yesterday Casino, which is actually based on a book. But we've talked about Jaws and Silence of the Lambs. So look us up and you can follow us on Facebook at Book Versus Movie. Um, on Twitter, that's a great place to reach us is at Book Versus Movie and just spell it out on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then also you can just send us an email book versus movie podcast at gmail.com all right and uh, again as always i include all of that information uh, in the show notes for easier access for the listeners uh if anybody wants to hear any more of my content please give me a like on facebook because i do um i do post everything that i do whether it be it a guest appearance or you know any of my shows that i do uh i do hydrate level four original remake both on following films i cover back to the Future the animated series at barrenspace.com. Um, I got a list show uh, at Corten Parts called We Got Five. Um, and at the time of this recording, I'm gearing up for a instant coverage or instant take coverage of the uh, NBC's Timeless. So I'll be doing a solo instant take after watching these episodes, which um, airs October third monday so that's actually today uh, at the time of this recording so i'll be doing that at tv ate my brain and also you can find me on a few episodes of music ate my brain all of those on court 10 parts but again just give me a like on facebook 
you can hear it all um, if you want. So um, yeah, so thanks again, Margo, for for joining me. So until the next episode for Margo, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level Four. There's a ship on the ocean at the mercy of the sea. It's been tossed about, lost and broken, wandering aimlessly. And God, somehow you know that shit is me. Cause there's a lighthouse in a heart. the wire for this sinking soul see that someone out there still believes in me on a prayer in a song I hear your voice and it keeps me hanging on I'm reaching out till we reach the circle's end when you come back to me.